think really early days cast and we would go out and talk to some some companies that were just starting a podcast and they wouldn't understand the problem they were about to face. They didn't understand that awesome choice of, of medium, but the technology is not there to support you unless you actually like take a look at what's going on. And we ran in a lot really early days of like, well, I'm already paying this agency $100,000 to produce my podcast. And then we'll say, that's great, I guess. But like, what are you doing afterwards? Like, what are you getting out of it? Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Zach Ballinger. Zach is the Chief Revenue Officer and Co-Founder at Casted. And in our conversation, we dig into the topic of podcasting, in particular, the value of podcasting for enterprises, for companies. We dig into how companies should be using podcasts and repurposing podcasts as a source of fresh content for their sales teams, and how they can also use podcasts and the content derived from it as a way to amplify your marketing. We also dig in how to use a podcast as a way to prospect and move opportunities through your pipeline. So we get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Zach, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review, give us your feedback about how we're doing. Thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Zachary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. No, pleasure to have you. So you're joining us from where today? Indianapolis, Indiana, and the, the lovely offices of, of Casted Incorporated. <laughs> Casted Incorporated. Uh, yeah, nice brick wall behind you. Is that a real brick wall? It's a real brick wall. In, fa- in fact, this is a, a fun story. We, um, our office takes place at the Indiana local um, campaign headquarters for Bernie Sanders. So we actually, right next to me, uh, we have a old, uh, the whole brick wall goes through and we have our conference room and it has this big mural that says vote on it. We call it the, uh, the democracy conference room. Oh, nice. I like that. I like yeah. that. It's pretty interesting. It's a, it's a cool part of downtown. Yeah. I mean, it's very, yeah, active tech startup scene in, in Indianapolis. I mean, every time I talk to someone from there, it always sort of amazes me. It's like, yeah, it's a real hot spot and it doesn't, people don't talk about it enough. We call it Silicon Valley. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, obviously some big, big success stories there. Um, and All tower in the city, Salesforce tower. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's, that's true in San Francisco too. So we're just like San Francisco in every just way. like San Francisco yeah. <laughs> hills and everything. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> things are a little flat out there. Just uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things I, I noticed in the, yeah, I grew up in the Midwest, but I grew up in Wisconsin where it was hilly, right? Because you had the glacial uh, moraines, they called them. So that's, you know, it's not mountains by a stretch of imagination, but I can tell you from personal experience running cross country in high school, it was very hilly. But get down to Indiana and Iowa, my cousins were in Iowa, and it's like, it's really flat here. Very flat, very flat. Yeah. Not a lot to Not a lot to look at except for the corn. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is, you know, set not in Indianapolis, but close to uh, Breaking Away. Okay. Did you ever see that? No, not at all. Oh, you got to watch that. I mean, put on your list, Breaking okay. Away. So it's, right it's uh, actually takes place in Bloomington. Oh, excellent. Okay. But it's about this uh, sort of coming of age story, but also of, of, um, Center around this bike race. Apparently, it's a traditional bike race they have. I actually have seen this. 
Okay. Um, All right. Okay. But I'll, I'll watch it again because it's been a very long, I watched it probably over 15 years ago, but I, it, well, as soon as you said Bloomington, I thought it was either the track movie or the, or the biking yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say it probably came out before you were born, just FYI. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely watched it in like high school or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not to date myself, but I saw it when it came out. Um, so, yeah. Great movie, but in the end. Okay. So, if the listeners or listeners still still tuned in when we talk <laughs> about Indiana, uh, we're going to move on to something else. So, tell us, tell us a little bit about Casted and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a co-founder of Casted and a chief revenue officer. Um, Casted is a, a, a marketing tech company um, that helps content marketers get the most out of their audio and video um, content. Uh, we found a few years ago, we founded the company. We found that it was um, kind of a devastating problem for content marketers who um, are always typically creatives. They are usually ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, what content do we need to be creating? And at that time they were starting to create more podcasts mm-hmm. and we, we thought, wow, that is unique. It's creative. Our CEO, Lindsay Chepkema had a podcast at a billion dollar company. Um, but the question that kept getting asked was, what's this doing for us? What's it doing right. for the brand? And she gave the answer that everyone had to give, which is we're getting a lot of listens. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a company, right? So you have to tie it back to revenue. And so we founded Casted to solve that problem, get more out of the podcast, make sure we can track it back to pipeline influence, make sure we knew who was listening. Um, we joke all the time that, you know, we could have a thousand listeners, but if they're all my mom, it's not doing much for right. us. Right. I have a very enthusiastic and supportive mother. She would definitely listen a thousand times. It's just not going to help us as a business. So right. um, we built a technology around that. And then we thought, you know, it's kind of weak in the video scene as well. So we expanded into video and um, the more customers that we get, the more input that we get, we realized that content marketing as a whole is it's sort of underserved. It, it's, it's got a few pieces of technology here and there, but they're all relatively antiquated. Um, and they're more, they're all about making more, more content, mm. make more, um, which is basically taking this like hamster wheel that we have. And we're saying, okay, make the hamster wheel bigger, make them move faster on the hamster right. wheel. We're not trying to fix the actual problem, which is right. like the content you already have is impactful. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can see that. I mean, just, you said more, 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 more. Um, and, Combined with, okay, well, how do we make sure we you know, deliver the right piece of content at the right time, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, so tell us how you, how you do this with, with podcasts. Yeah. So the first thing that we did was we made sure that the brands could actually own their content again. Um, podcasting technologies are a bunch of hosts. There's a, there's a, a myriad of hosts and they all do 100% the exact same thing, which is distribute to the main, um, listening services. Um, so Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you name it. Right. Um, but where we find that the, the problem comes from is you put it into one of these hosts and you lose all the access to your content. And the only thing you can see is listens, views, all of those pieces. So what we did is we said, okay, we're going to host it, sure. But it's actually on your domain. And all the data that comes from that, all of the landing pages, all of the, the places where someone can listen, they exist on your domain first. And then we're still going to distribute everywhere else. But what we found marketers were doing was, hey, we made an awesome podcast. Go listen on Apple. Why? Why? You wouldn't go ask them to read a blog on Medium if it also existed on your site. 
and you're missing the opportunity to capture a lead, to push them down the content funnel. So we we started there and then we grew from there and said, okay, you can use these this audio better. You can start to track the companies that are listening to this. Uh, even if they're listening over on Apple, we, we have their IP address. There's a thousand companies that resolve those IPs to companies. Um, and then we also say, you have a CRM. We can match all this to revenue. We can match all this to influence of pipeline. And so that's really where we've built the, the brand. That's where we built the company. And that's, that's kind of the direction that we continue growing in. Okay, interesting. So what you're saying is, because, yeah, one of the, the big concerns about podcasts is it's yeah, sort of this black hole in terms of who the listeners are and so on, is that you're able to help a podcast or a company, you know, because you start focus, I guess, on company-owned podcasts, is can help them understand who those listeners really are. Yeah, down to the individual in, in some cases, right? If someone has, let's say HubSpot, for instance, we have an integration with HubSpot, we leverage their cookies and we say, actually, you know, Andy's listening to the podcast. He listened to about 40% of it. And then afterwards, he clicked a related resource and went and downloaded a white paper. That's way more important for the brand than knowing that one listener took place over here. Yeah, right. Very interesting. It's always fun to be on podcasts because we are, it's, it's sort of a meta, which is now a weird word to use thanks to Facebook, but it's sort of yep. meta for us to be on podcasts because right. it's always super fun to, to be interviewed by someone who knows kind of the problem. And I, I think really early days casted, we would go out and talk to some, some companies that were just starting a podcast and they wouldn't understand the problem they were about to face. They, they didn't understand that awesome choice of, of medium, but the technology is not there to support you unless you actually like take a look at what's going on. And um, we ran in a lot really early days of like, well, I'm already paying this agency $100,000 to produce my podcast. Um, and then we'll say, that's, that's great, <laughs> I guess. But like, what are you doing afterwards? Like, what are you getting right. out of it? First and of all, why then, do you pay my $100,000 to produce your podcast? Well, there's, there's some high-end agencies out there. And, and well, once know, you get talking to some of the bigger clouds, that's what they do. And then we started to liken it like, uh, do you remember Quibi? That really <laughs> well, terrible... Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you open your eyes for about 10 seconds, yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing. They paid outrageous money for production, and it was on the wrong platform. Right. You put that on Netflix, I bet it would have taken off. A lot of those shows were really high quality. Mm-hmm. And we don't want these brands to have that same problem. You're paying $100,000 for your production, and then you're throwing it on Quibi. It doesn't sound very fun. Yeah, I mean, if you're a company and you have a podcast, is... Yeah, I mean it's it's like malpractice not to have that information. I think exactly. I mean, exactly. We felt the same way. Yeah, I mean, if you're spending that amount of money, I mean, if you're an individual, I can understand. I mean, and yeah, you know what? Ninety five, ninety nine percent of podcasts are probably just individuals right. uh, doing it, but and they're really well served. I mean, the the actual like consumer level hosting is fantastic if you are doing like a. I'm Indiana. I'm going to show my show my Hoosier pride here. If you're doing a Pacers podcast, we're not for you. You should go and and you know get on some other host. They're going to help you with the numbers because inevitably you either want to be really successful and get sponsored, or you're just doing it for fun and you don't want to pay a lot of money. But that those two things shouldn't match to a brand who you know I'll I'll call out one of our brand, Salesforce is a big customer of ours and a big favorite customer of ours. But mm-hmm. when we were talking to them early days. They they were like, oh, now we see the problem. And, and it's not good that we have these 19 different shows all hosted by different hosts. And we, we don't consolidate the data. We don't know who's doing it. We don't even know globally what mm. all of our reach is because show one lives over here, show 12 lives over here, and, and they manage this and they manage that. And 
it's a big problem and, and we we're seeing it across the board. I mean, small companies, large companies, clouds, manufacturing companies, Caterpillar is a, is a great customer of ours. And, uh, and frankly, they were like, we don't even know the technology that exists. We need help. And, and mm. now they have this awesome show uh, that's a podcast and a video. And it, it's incredible how, how much breadth there is of these, um, these amazing companies who are creating content that just needed the backbone that we built. Right. Yeah, very interesting. So broader level question, does, does every company need a podcast? No, no, not every company needs a blog. Um, it, it, it all comes down to the type of marketing that you're doing. Um, you know, not everyone needs a podcast. Not everyone needs video. Not everyone needs a marketing team. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I was making a joke earlier about, uh, Coca-Cola and it's like, I, you don't see Coke ads anymore because once you're established and once you, you're Coca-Cola, you're only going to do it at Christmas so everyone can see the polar bear and you're going to move on. Everyone knows Coke. Mm-hmm. Um, but there aren't a lot of brands that are Coke, so you, you can't no. just stop trying. Um, so I would say that most companies need um, content marketing that is functional, that is starting with experts. It's a big thing that we talk about is um, content marketers are amazing marketers of content. What we've asked them to be as a whole, as society, mm-hmm. is actually experts in the thing that they're marketing, which makes no sense. I mean, if you think about like a cybersecurity company hiring a content marketer, are you going to make sure that they're cybersecurity experts? That would be asinine. That's, that's two expertises that don't match up. But what you know you have in a cybersecurity company is an expert, mm-hmm. right? You have a subject matter expert. They're not going to sit down and write a blog. But they might jump on a microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might get in front of a camera. And then what you're allowing to do is, is generate really great expertise-driven content. And then getting it into the hands of the content marketer who knows exactly what to do with it. So we always think that you should start with, we call it conversation first, uh, marketing, whether it's, it's audio, whether it's mm-hmm. video like we, we have here as well. Um, but I could see some cases where maybe, maybe you don't need a podcast. Maybe you don't need a video. But um, that's kind of antithetical to how we typically believe. And I would say that those are exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the easiest way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I started my podcast cause I thought, well, that's a pretty easy way to create content and yeah. does it in a way that, that for me, as opposed to sitting down at, yeah, typewriter or typewriter <laughs> keyboard, <laughs> look at your brick wall that triggered a, a typewriter reference. Nostalgia. Um, sure. Is, is Yeah. Not only could I create content, but I could learn in the process, right? Mm-hmm. They talked to a lot of smart people, uh, which I think is the other part of, uh, obviously, of podcasting is it's not just putting experts there, but it's also who are you talking to and what do you want to learn from those people? Yeah. Yeah. And those are the most fun when you can actually dig in and, and have those, I don't know, deeper kind of conversations. And, and the fun of it, too, is it doesn't always have to be so business focused. You can do a lot for your business by not talking directly about your business on a podcast. Um, early days casted or not even early days, 2020 board in the house, uh, created a podcast called the tick at one point. And the tick was just what to make, what makes marketers tick. Um, right. and so we just talked to marketers, um, mid-level to junior marketers and how, how'd you get here? Right. How did, what was your journey to, to get here? Cause no one goes to school for marketing and then becomes a marketer, right? You end no. up, you're like a journalism major and then you do the, and so it was really interesting. I, t- I talked to uh, Anthony Cioli. He's uh, the product senior product marketer at Iterable now, but he has this really interesting story where he was a runner in college and 
um, because of just his proximity in Colorado and, and like where he was going to school and, and all of these things, he ended up being the first Crocs leg model, which was, and then that was what kind of triggered his, his kind of foray into marketing of like, Oh, you can just take pictures of my legs. And now he's a product marketer for a SaaS company. And, and right. it's, it's incredible. It one of the most fun journeys didn't do anything for casted, but it was a really great conversation. And I think that that's the power of podcasts and the power of video is it doesn't always have to be about cybersecurity. It could be a story that's tangential that brings people back. Yeah, well, I think the degree to which they're advertisements, um, people listen less. I think. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, I've had this had this discussion, right? Is is yeah. I mean, it's great. Have sponsors. That's fantastic. But people get the message from the sponsorship. You don't need to keep reinforcing it during the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, probably probably uh, sticks out a little bit. So you talk a lot about amplifying marketing in your materials. So explain what you mean by that. This is very timely. In in four days, we're doing our Amplify conference, our our first annual. And uh, this probably won't be out by then. That won't happen by the time we air this, but yes, it'll be It'll be on demand. Um, So for us, Amplify is about not necessarily recreating the wheel in marketing. So one of the things our, our platform does, without this being an advertisement, but like there are other platforms I'm sure that sure. can do something similar. Um, no, but is you're allow here, you, you can advertise. F- <laughs> Perfect. Um, is actually allow you to, to find the content that you already have. Um, I, I think that if we look at some larger companies and uh, you know, I'll use IBM as an example here. IBM is a very old company, right? They've not mm-hmm. always been the kind of tech cloud they are now. They, they used to be on-prem. They used to be early yeah. computers. I mean, um, very old company, lots of content, lots of audio content, a lot of video content over the past, the last few decades. They've, they've done a lot. But they haven't had people there that are the lifetime of the company, right, mm-hmm. that are in that marketing seat. So how do they go back and find it? So that's one thing that we talk about when it's amplified. It's going back, finding the content you already have, and then making it better, reinforcing it, bringing it back to life rather than generate from scratch. I can't write from a blank page. But if you give me something really good, you know, IBM's hiring you know, world-class marketers, and they have for the last 40, 50 years. Sure. So a, a blog post from 10 years ago that's really good, that you resurface and you reinforce and modernize, that goes from really good to really great. That's amplification to us. So how are you modernizing that? How do you modernize the content? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you it, in, in the case of, of IBM, right, it's you go back 15 years, you're talking on-prem. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not talking on-prem anymore. Right? No. They're talking cloud. But it doesn't mean that the same security efforts they took 15 years ago are now antiquated, right? Or the same level of excellence that they subscribe to isn't the mm-hmm. same. So mm-hmm. they can modernize that to the cloud without starting from a blank page. And maybe 15 years is a bit of a stretch going back. But <laughs> some of these changed, companies yeah. change every year, right? And right. Um, we've changed a lot in the last year. So it's really just about making sure that when you're starting, you're not starting from a blank page, uh, whether it be written um, or making sure that if something's still relevant, there's a lot of evergreen content that people produce that instead of doing a new podcast about the same content, you can actually take bits and pieces of that old content, get it back out there, refresh the content. Um, that's how we really look at, at amplification and modernization of the content is it's not always expired. It shouldn't be really good content. Typically, when you're talking about thought leadership like this, mm-hmm. um, it's relevant for a long time. Yeah, and I think that's something that that people sort of shy away with, shy away from. Excuse me, is because they sort of think, well, we're going to get penalized from an SEO standpoint or something if we're you know just doing something we did before. But it seems like that's a little 
Concerns overblown and a little short-sighted. I mean, Disney refreshes every movie they've ever had. They exactly. remade The Lion King and it was already a masterpiece. So, right. you know, let's go ahead and subscribe to Disney's model here, I guess. Right. Maybe make it better than the Lion King reboot, but... <laughs> yeah, but I think even just in terms of... <laughs> I have, yeah, a friend who's a podcaster, I've been very successful at it. And one of the things he's done is he's replays his episodes, mm-hmm. right? He may cut them up a little differently, maybe a little bit shorter, but basically... You know, episodes that played before, it's like, yeah, well, well, find a new audience for it even. Exactly. Your audience is always evolving as well. A year ago, people who were buying Casted and listening to our podcast to buy Casted, hopefully they're already customers now. So we bring back that content a year later, maybe there's new people who mm-hmm. are back in their new audience cycle that just need to be reminded of it, top of mind. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's such a great lesson is that that you bring up that, that people just don't think enough about and it's you know, whether you're a thought leader or a company or whatever is yeah, it's you, you sort of come to, you get frantic sometimes about, okay, what's new, right? What can I write about that's new? And it's like, we well, sort of built your reputation on doing X, do more X. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. So who's the sort of ideal customer profile for you? We really focus on B2B brands um, specifically, uh, mostly because B2C brands are actually building an audience for the sake of audience. They don't need to know who is listening as much as they're, you know, the volume of the mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, so we focus on B2B brands. Um, our sweet spot's been tech, manufacturing, pharmaceutical, uh, and finance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that that's the only people we serve really well, but that's sure. really been our sweet spot. Um, tech mostly because they're early adopters and, right. and they the early adopters of podcasts and video marketing. And now they're early adopters of the technology yes. for it. <laughs> I'm laughing because I started my podcast six years ago. We're almost at a thousand episodes. Uh, actually, you're, you're a very early adopter. Yeah. You're going to be close to close to the thousands when your com- yours comes out. Um, and my thought was at the time is, you know, Hey, there's all this stuff that's happening. Sort of leading edge sales oriented stuff's happening in the tech world where I came from. It's like, I want to start the podcast to serve non-tech audiences mm-hmm. with that content. Express intent of starting my podcast. I think I even talked about in the first, first few episodes. Yeah, within six months, you look at the demographics where all my listeners are. They're all between San Diego and Seattle and D.C. and Boston. And it's like, hmm, yeah, the propensity to listen and early adopters in the tech space. Yep, 100%. And, yeah. but, but, I mean, we are seeing a lot. I mean, I mentioned Caterpillar, but, you know, I'm but allowed like to mention example. them. Yeah, but there are a lot There are a lot of traditional manufacturers uh, that we, we talk to and are talking to on a regular basis that, that you would not think are trying to be more content marketing focused. Uh, Caterpillar is another good example of, like, you almost, you're, you're so ubiquitous. You're almost that Coca-Cola example, but they don't want to be... Uh, thought of just one way. They have so many divisions of their company and they have so many ways that they want to market. Uh, I mean, hell, Shell Oil and Gas has a, a has a podcast and a content marketing arm uh, mm-hmm. and they're doing a lot with it. So there's a lot of opportunity out there and it's, it's not just tech anymore, but um, tech certainly helped build, I think, the groundswell of this is effective, this is worth your time and you can really tell a, a great story. Yeah, well, I think podcasts just become more mainstream, right? I and mean, even just because everybody and their brother starts one, and and on as an individual, not just as a company. Sure. So yeah, I think people are it surprises me how many people actually yeah I talk to that now are listening to podcasts and do it actively, right? And yeah. a broad range of podcasts. The question I have for you too is on podcasts is is wondering how many of your 
uh, your customers are using podcasts as sort of a direct prospecting tool? Mm, this comes up uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I would say a, a direct prospecting tool. I'll give you a percentage of our customers just to, sure. to not, because I, I don't know how many truly. I, I would say it's probably less than 10% um, as a direct prospecting tool. And when I think of direct prospecting tool for a podcast, I think you're bringing your prospects on as guests. Yes. And then you're you're closing out with, hey, do you want to talk? Like you're, you're saying, oh, great to have you here, Zachary. It was awesome to talk. And they're hey, like, hey, before you, know you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I would say less than 10%. Um, I know that um, Lindsay, our CEO, when we were at our last company, um, it, she did a hybrid of it. So sometimes she would bring prospects on and she wouldn't hard pitch them because she was mar- right. marketing. She wasn't sales, right. but um, she would bring prospects on. And then if they had any questions after, she'd be ready to answer and, and introduce them to a salesperson, mm-hmm. a little softer way to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think you have to be tactful because I, I think the reputation of like, hey, they're only bringing you on to to Sell pitch you, you after yeah um you know you don't want to be known as that do you think it's gotten it to that point i mean no. i know some companies specifically that are set up to help companies set up yeah basically prospecting podcasts yeah i mean i don't i don't think it's i don't even think it's always bad necessarily I, because you know you you are giving to get in that case right you're yeah. giving someone assuming assuming you have a pretty good following um you're giving someone a platform and then you're kind of pulling back and saying, hey you already got you here mm-hmm. um we don't see we don't run into a lot of them. I think people who um, who kind of use it that way typically actually undervalue the power of podcasts um, mm-hmm. because for us, like I'd rather have my customers on here. No better prospecting tool than a than a customer saying how right. amazing it's been in the journey. Right. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't run into them that much. I don't think it's bad either. I, I just I think the prevalence is maybe going down the, the broader the ex, the broader the understanding of what podcasts and, and video can do for you. It's like, whoa, 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 we can be way more effective if we're telling larger stories mm-hmm. rather than just like trying to catch one at a time. Right. Well, let's talk about the video part. So when you're talking about video, you're talking about unique video content or video of the podcast itself? All of the above. Okay. Um, and webinars. We talk a lot about webinars, uh, which... You know, to me, I never go to webinars. Uh, big snooze fest <laughs> for me. Um, but what we found is that people um, treated webinars very similar to podcasts in that they would do the webinar. They do all this like lead up to the webinar, get do your lead capture, get get all the people there. That you would drop the the webinar just like you would drop an episode of a podcast, and then you say, "All right, good job." And we go to the next one. It's like, right. whoa. Well, you're saying that for the last hour, you had a customer or you had your product leader or whomever going up there talking for one hour. There was nothing valuable to continually share from that. Mm-hmm. Highly doubtful. Mm-hmm. So we found people coming to us. Uh, Gong.io is a great example. Came to us and said, our webinars are too good to use one time. And we said, we, we agree. One of the only webinars I've ever gone to is Gong um, because they do fantastic work, well, fantastic research. Yeah. Um, now, just fair disclosure, you know, it should be coming to Ring DNA uh, webinars as well. So, but anyway, oh, go ahead. I apologize. I apologize. We'll be. I'll. I'll be on my way. All right. Um, but they do. They, you know, they do great work. And they said, "Hey, we want to reuse these. We want to make sure that we continue marketing. We don't think the shelf life of this webinar is up." And and we said that's an awesome use case. And we found that a lot of our customers across the board start bringing in their webinars because the shelf life's not over. Uh, it, there's a lot more to be had from and it. And so, what so, do you do with the webinar? 
we, we put it into our platform. We create what we call key takeaways um, so that people don't have to listen to the full hour, right? You can mm-hmm. see, okay, right here's the, the key piece that, that applies to me. Click and you jump right there in the webinar. And then we make sure we had add additional calls to action. So you're not just watching it on YouTube, right? You can, you can still watch it on YouTube, but you're sure. watching it on the website that it t- takes place on. There's, right. You've got your Driftbot or your Intercom or your mm-hmm. HubSpot chatbot asking you right. for your email. If you want to learn more, you've got additional white papers attached that you can jump to. You're creating a content funnel for these webinars that are super impactful, especially in the time of COVID. Yeah. Webinars kind of spiked because it made a lot of sense. And now the, the content funnel, the content journey is a little bit different in a good way. So you have a little bit more control. And as long as you can get people as much content as they need in the easiest consumable way, you're going to be way more effective. Right. And so that example you just gave, were you actually, was it casted services that was cutting up the content and creating the, the snippets from it and so on? That's actually what our platform does. Um, okay. So our platform will transcribe the, the content um, completely, um, not through AI. That actually is a service. It's a person who does it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's perfectly transcribed. And then the marketer comes in and says, um, I love this part of the transcript and it creates an audio clip or a video clip from it. And mm-hmm. we also have something that we call themes. Um, think of it as like marketing themes. Right. You can say, okay, the theme this week is marketing or this month is marketing. And the keywords attached to these themes are amplify marketing, marketer, you know, market, whatever the case may be. And you can stuff as many keywords in there and then it'll search all of that content for you. And it'll start to suggest where you should have clips of like, Hey, if marketing is your theme, you talk a lot about marketing right here in that webinar and it'll mm-hmm. highlight it all for you and create a clip. Mm. It's the coolest technology in the world, Andy. I, 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 I'm trying my best not to pitch here, but you can pitch. That's this is why, this is why we're here is to educate people about what you do. It's sure. Um, and that's fine. No, I'm fascinated by it because, yeah, we <laughs> we should be doing more of that uh, with this show. Um, Absolutely. I yeah, you, you can pitch me as soon as we're done. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just, I see the power of podcasts. For sure. You know, someone who, who's done a lot of them. And, uh, you know, you just see the engagement you get mm-hmm. uh, as a individual certainly doing it, but you know, it's also for the company and tremendous amount of engagement. Um, and people sort of think they're overdone, but I really think they're not overdone at all. Matter of fact, underutilized, I would think. I mean, the, the beauty of it too is Google has adapted to this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so, so Google starts to crawl audio and starts to crawl video and they're transcribing through their, their AI transcription, right. which is actually pretty damn good. We right. use it on the, on the back end when someone doesn't want something transcribed all the way. Um, not great, but it's good. And then boom, you've got SEO from that. And then right. if you do a real transcription alongside of it, mm-hmm. more SEO. And mm-hmm. then if you publish to YouTube, the second largest search engine in the world. Yep. Search engine. Yep. Well, now what? What have you just done? You've just, from one piece of content, you've got Google going crazy for this new activated thing. There's no, there's, there's no other content type like that. And there, there's nothing as powerful and engaging as it. Right. I think where podcasts get overdone is when you just drop a 30-minute episode and you expect someone to listen to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. Right. I, it's just really, I, I, have, I have ADHD. I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent about talking about it. I I'm, truly do. Right. Um, I can't sit still for 30 minutes, um, especially if I'm listening to a business podcast. I, right. I can go listen to Serial in the car or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a business podcast, I'm typically listening because I want to learn something, like you mm-hmm. pointed out, or maybe I'm actually interested in the company buying something from them. Maybe they're a competitor, but mm-hmm. I don't have time for 30 or 45 minutes uh, of attention span. Right. So if you can make it more digestible and get me hooked, 
okay, now I can give you my time because I kind of forgot that I'm getting caught into the loop. But if you right. give me that hook of like, you know, obviously great title, but maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a key takeaway in there that's like 40 minutes in and it says, you know, Andy's now talking about how much revenue that he believes a podcast can generate. I'm like, well, I'm curious. Yeah. Click, and I'm listening yeah. now. Yeah. Which is much different than just a standard show notes with the, uh, you know, timestamp things. Cause it's like, yeah, to your point, I want to go right to that and I want to hear it. I don't yeah. want to scroll through the episode to find it. Yeah. And especially if it's a compelling guest, right? Like you'll, you'll hook me with your guest and then just like, I'm, I know people are going to have raving fans, Andy, they're going to be all over this, but they are, they are, but they're going to want to get, over, asked, get past you, the Indian. While you're here, they were, they're demanding you come on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. All right, Zach. Well, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate Absolutely. you taking the time to join. So if people want to learn more about Casta, the podcasters, or they're interested, um, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So casta.us, we are all over Drift all of the time. We're, we're big Drift proponents and, mm -hmm. and big power users. So we'll, we'll be happy to chat with you um, there. Or you can just email me directly, uh, Zachary at casta.us. We're not, we're not big enough yet for me to not uh, answer everyone's email. Uh, and I love good prospecting emails. So prospect me. And, and if I answer, uh, you got my attention. All right. All right, Zachary, thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Zach Ballinger, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>